0: section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. Provide the most in depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Joe just joined Andrew as we discussed this month's view from the turbuckle. So, Aaron, we didn't have any deaths, but we did have a release. So, who got released this time?
1: Uh, you, you almost sound disappointed with that, Andy. But uh, no, uh, it was uh, the authors of Pain uh, were, uh, were let go. I, you know, I would say I. I kind of want to see them do more on in WWE. I, I really would have loved to have seen a little bit more in the main roster. I think once COVID hit, it just, you know, it was kind of downhill from there for them. Uh, I think that in NXT, they were used pretty well, uh, you know, and on the main roster, just like we see with a lot of other people. If they don't have a, a story or a plan. Just kind of go away. And of course, you know, the injury bug didn't help out much either. Um,
2: the AOP was best used when they were bodyguards to Seth. That's their best move. They're okay in the ring, but their their strength is that they look big, they are really big, and they're great enforcers, and that's how you should use them. If they are heat for a more talented guy, I always thought you should have paired them up with the Miz. I feel like that's a perfect mix of his talking and their muscle, but with Seth Rollins and his cult, it worked very well too, but unfortunately, they were always hurt, and that's a shame because I do think they have a place in wrestling. I don't think their main event, they're not FTR by any means, but they definitely have a place in the tag division.
3: Uh, I will always remember their uh, match against DIY in uh, Chicago, I believe it was uh, and it was it was wonderful the thing the latter match um, and they really impressed me in that and it, it is it's unfortunate that they've had so many injuries and in such a little bit of, uh, of time it will be interesting to see if they go anywhere else and as long as they can stay healthy. Uh, like everybody else said, they can be a powerhouse, uh, but I don't see them as main event talent.
0: No, and I actually think that they're going to be going uh, – I, I was debating, like, where would they go? I don't think they're going go to go AEW. I think they're going to end up going to Impact for a little bit, and then I bet they uh, go to New Japan and uh, tear it up there because just because of their size, and I think they have a, a decent look, so – um, uh, something interesting that did happen though. Of course we had a SummerSlam, slam then we had another pay-per-view right afterwards. Um, but, uh, Roman won the universal title. Um, uh, Doug, did you, are you happy that he won it? I don't know if I'm happy that he won it.
3: I, I don't have a problem with him winning. I predicted him to win just based on the fact that it, it's Roman Reigns. D- WWE is going to give it to him. Uh, I'm interested to see what they're doing with him, especially now that he's teaming up with Paul Heyman and they're going to go a true heel route with uh Roman Reigns which I think has been has been missed and I think they're going to finally get people to appreciate Roman Reigns' ability to even be a heel. Um and then maybe he can be a face later on again, but for right now this is the right move. It's going to get eyes on the on the product again
2: and we'll see where they go from here. Right move probably a couple years too late. I think if you had turned Roman a few years ago, by now he probably would be beloved and, and be a, a fine baby face, very similar to The Rock, how people eventually started to really enjoy Rock's work after you let him cut loose. But Roman going heel and winning the title was fine, but I will say, as we said many times, when in doubt, if there's an opportunity to cut Bray Wyatt off at the knees, WWE will do it.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, and I think that, you know, him winning, I was a little surprised why they even gave it to the Fiend. Like, it just seemed kind of unnecessary, you know, to, like, have a one-week title reign, quote-unquote. Like, it's not even a reign then, right? Like, it's just you gave it to him for a moment, and they did this to him previously. It just, it's it's incredibly unfortunate, and I think that it it does him a a huge disservice. And, you know, for Roman, kind of what, I actually dig what they're doing right now with them. I think that it's pretty good. I think that they are moving in a direction that is making me more interested. In fact, like if I'm thinking about Raw or SmackDown, like SmackDown seems way more interesting to me than Raw does right now. Uh, not just because it's, you know, less of a time suck, but because they have better stories on them. And so, you know, with Roman winning, that's good. And, and pairing him with Heyman, also a good thing.
0: Let's see what they let's see what comes of. It. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Wyatt getting uh, the title, you know, it being that transition champion, because to me, that just I think hurts him. It, it's like you're building him up. You're building him up. And they're like, all right, now we're done with you. Throw you away. And I guess that that part bothers me. But oh, well, uh, something that also is is uh, I'm in between on is that Finn, he's the new NXT champion. He won on uh, Super Tuesday. Um, Aaron, did, did I'm surprised that he ended up winning it. I thought they were gonna give it back to Cole.
1: I, I expected Finn to win mostly because, you know, Adam Cole lost the title to Keith Lee, who then lost it to um uh Killer Cross, uh Karrion Cross. Uh, you know, I didn't think that they would then put it right back on Cole. I thought that it would make more sense to, you know, go with, you know, quote unquote new blood, right? Uh, you know, uh with Finn. And I actually think that's it's kinda neat that he won because the matches that he can have, you know, they have a NXT is doing, I want to say it's, is it in your house? Uh, is that the next pay-per-view they're doing? Is anyone aware of that? But, uh, they're, they're doing another pay-per-view and I want to say October ish or so.
0: Yeah. It's like and... the first Sunday in October, which is weird because you, they, they were doing the Saturdays and I think the Saturdays were great. And I think they should stay on Saturday, but yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll see what I happens. Agree. Hopefully they do switch back. I, I would really like to see that.
1: But he has a, a lot of opponents that he can face and a lot of people that I would like to see in those main event matches. You know, him and Gargano had a match I'd like to see though for the title. I would like to see him in, in Ciampa and Cole again. You know, that match was really good. It started off chain wrestling and then it just expanded from there. Uh that was a great way to kick off uh honestly, I was almost gonna say impact uh is a great way to kick off uh NXT. And I I kinda like what they're doing with that. That said. I really hope that they have a plan for Finn, and it's not just a like play-by-year sort of situation.
0: And, and Roger, I I do have a weird question about this. Do you think that this that Finn is going to, or, or should I ask you this? Do you think Finn's actually going to retain at the next pay-per-view, or is he going to be a continual thing where like they lose it at the big? Because he's technically a face, if you want to say that.
2: Um, I wouldn't call Balor a face. I would call Balor a tweener. Like Finn fights whoever. Now, granted, lately he has, I guess, fought more um, heels. Like, I know his last battle was with Damian Priest. though Priest, of course, is a face now, too. Um, And he fought Thatcher. But Balor can go back and forth. Even Adam Cole was really playing the face in that match. You kind of watched the way that they were structuring it. I do believe Balor's going to retain. I think we talked about this before. He's pretty much the last dominant face champion they've had. It also puts him in exclusive company. He joins Joe and Nakamura as the only two-time champions. I think he's going to have a long run. I actually thought Balor was going to win because I believed he was the one who was going to dethrone Cross. I believed it was going to be Demon versus Cross, and then Demon would essentially take the title from him. So I'm not surprised when they announced the Fatal Four Rhyme match. I thought Balor was going to walk out champ. I think there's a plan. I mean, NXT has kind of shown over the last five to six years that they always have something. So I'm not really concerned about that. Really, my concern is. What do they go for with killing Karen Cross? Does he just move him to the main roster like I believe? And then for Balor, I hope they don't see a great run that he's had in NXT and try to shoot him back up to the quote unquote main roster because it didn't work last time. It's not going to work this time. He works on NXT. Hunter knows what he's doing. Keep him there. Let him be a Gargano, a Ciampa type, and let him stay there where he is always going to be presented properly.
3: Uh, I I like this move. You've just had a long run with Adam Cole, and you're rebuilding the Finn Balor, I guess, aspect. I think it would be interesting to see what they would have done had uh, NXT UK continued on uh, instead of shutting down for a little bit because he was supposed to face Walter for the championship. So I'm kind of curious if they would have had him defeat Walter or not. So I like it. It gives him... uh, Keeps him high on the card, and I do believe NXT UK should be returning shortly, so it'll be interesting to see if they continue on with the maybe champion versus champion aspect of Finn Balor versus Walter, just to see who's the better champion.
2: Little worlds collide, maybe? Yeah.
3: I mean, their next pay-per-view is Clash of Champions, so maybe a Survivor Series uh, kind of thing?
0: Yeah, they could do something like that. That would be uh, interesting. Um, But yeah, um, so... Yeah, there's not much going on in, the, I guess, the company of WWE besides Vince not being a billionaire uh, or in the top whatever billionaires in the world. Uh, but let's move on to AEW. Uh, Cody, he loses the TNT title to Brody Lee. Uh, Doug, I got to ask, what, what did you think about the fact that uh, Cody dropped it right to uh, Brody Lee? I don't
3: see this as too much of a shock. I think it's a good thing to build up the Dark Order A great way to give them some legitimacy. Um, Also, behind the scenes aspect. uh, I know Cody was going to film something with his Arrow friends, um, a new movie with Stephen Amell. Uh, So this gives him a reason to be off. I was just surprised at the how dominant Brody Lee was over uh, Cody, and just I mean it was a almost pretty much a squash match, all in favor of Brody Lee, and I'm just. I'm a little amazed at how, how well it, you know, was taken and everything. And, um you know, it, it, whether you determine it's a good time for him to drop it uh, or let him rebuild his character off, scene, uh, off screen for a little bit.
2: Um, but I think it's all positives all around. I got very Lesnar-Cena vibes from this, from that SummerSlam match where it just, the challenger came in and absolutely destroyed the champion. And I loved it. It was great. It was exactly what it needed to happen. This made Brody Lee look unstoppable, and there's only one person who's beaten him in AEW. So that made your champion look really good in comparison, because the only guy to stop Brody Lee is the guy who is your top guy. Like, it's fantastic move all the way around. I like the building of the Dark Order. I like them destroying the Rhodes family in general. Watching Anna and Jay choke out Brandy was a great move and just the Dark order kind of running at it, they need another dominance table. I think this is a great move all around. I'm really happy to see where Brody goes from here.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with uh, with you guys. I definitely echo your thoughts. And, you know, Brody was somebody that in WWE we kind of thought was misused. And I think here they're using them pretty well. I don't know if I would have had him go straight to Moxley when he came in, which it kind of seemed a little bit like he did. Uh, but either way, you take that aside. One of the things I think I had said a couple weeks ago is that I don't like when they have a monster heel come in you feed them to the champion and then they just go away. It actually seems like AEW is doing a very good job of not doing that because, you know, as we're going to talk about a little bit later on, one of the guys that got fed to Cody, you know, he's actually got a, something going on with him and similar thing here with Brody. You know, when you have him win the title, even after losing to Moxley, that's a good sign.
0: And also the one thing I do, I do like the fact that Brody Lee is actually being able to wrestle. It seemed like in WWE, he was, uh, held back a lot and you you can actually see how good of a wrestler he is i i've said it before on the show if you ever just look up moxley and Brody lee and they opened they were they were the curtain jerker and they tore the house down on the first match and after that all the matches i could all i could think about was that match still so um but yeah that just shows that yeah they're in the right company those especially those two guys moxley and uh uh, lee um another another team that is also in the right company and uh I remember Doug joking with them about AEW FTR they won the tag titles so Doug what do you think about that
3: It's a nice progression and they've set this one up a lot on uh being the elite I think and it's it's been a growing thing uh when we saw Revolution and the you know just the every every little hint that they've done between Hangman Page and Kenny Omega on on are they going to turn on each other or anything like this and everything that they've done on Dynamite to, you know, support where, like, it really did look like uh, FTR was trying to become that wedge in between them. I love this storyline. I have loved this setup. And this made the logical sense to have them defeat them. Uh, and also, it makes a logical sense to kind of build up the feud between uh, Young Bucks and FTR and just have that build up to a, a huge momentum. I mean, we've already been looking forward to that match. Now with them having the titles and a little bit more buildup, the, the revenge match between them is going to be, I think, that much
2: better. I think it's been predictable. I think it's been um, done very well. And I don't say predictable in a bad way. I say in a very smart, logical, there's been very clear steps, that, like Doug said. I've enjoyed every moment of this. This is exactly what should have happened. If you didn't see this one coming, you haven't been paying attention because FTR was clearly tapped as the next champs. I love the move, uh, adding him, uh, Tully Blanchard. He is the perfect manager for that stable because they're very old school. Like they say, you know, off no flips. I'm ready for Omega and Page to get back to the singles division. because I don't really want them as a tag team. I want FTR to have a nice, long, glorious reign. And to be quite honest, I would love to see Hangman Page join them. Truth be told, I think he fits as maybe the top singles guy in that kind of a stable. And let him really break out on his own and let them go against the elite. I'm totally fine with... Omega and the Bucks versus Hangman and FTR, that would be fan. And if mm-hmm. you want to do a and if you want to do a war games match, those are the teams that you should have go at it because there's an actual feud behind it. So them having a true battle makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's actually a good idea to do the war games with them because like you know, when they were doing it originally it just seemed like, oh hey, we're, we we want to do a war games too, you know, and it was kind of unnecessary. And so, you know, when they actually do a blood and guts, you know, hopefully I don't know. Maybe in a year when all this is over, uh, you know, it'll make sense. You know, if they build it up in the right way, and like you said, even though that this was predictable, I think the thing that's nice is, you know, it's like watching a movie. You know, Batman's going to win. You know, you know that the world's not going to end, and and he's going to stop it. Similarly, it's like FTR winning. It just it was very predetermined. You knew something was going to happen with Omega and Page. That that was nice, you know. And I actually like. I'm interested. I'm I'm in. I'm invested in what is going on with the Bucks, with Omega, with Paige. Seems they're gonna go their own direction. They're gonna do their own thing. And that's awesome. Like, I don't know what it could be. You know, maybe Omega turns heel. Maybe Paige is in that kind of tweener role. Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing and he feels like he's losing all his friends and the Bucks are like, Hey, we were just here for a good time. Now what's going on? Like we we wanna do this together. We wanna to create a company and now it's everything's falling apart and Cody's over here and we're that's actually a good thing. Like this is, this is making AEW more interesting to watch. And I like it. I mean, I I really enjoy watching AEW on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights are, it's really tough to put down the remote because you have so much good TV on.
0: And so Aaron, what happened after uh, FTR won the tactiles? What's going on with Omega now? Is he, uh, is he bringing back the cleaner?
1: I mean, maybe, Uh, you know, he just left page there. He, he starts to leave. He's trying to talk to the Bucks. The Bucks are like, dude what are you doing he's like look I'm just I'm going I'm going you know and even on uh, you know Dynamite most recently it didn't seem like we were getting a full answer uh, from Paige or from from Kenny and so you know this is going to continue and that's a good thing you know we're going to find out a little bit more
0: hey Doug what do you think about what's going to happen with uh, OC I mean do you think the fact that uh, he outlasted Jericho and um, all the events that happened do you think that they did this right and made Orange Cassidy um, a, a bigger star because of it
3: Um, after overall looking at everything, and uh, I know Jericho is there to help build up stars and and make new stars and and everything, but this really feels like him coming out of his, really his first feud after losing the belt, and you have him losing two out of three to Orange Cassidy, I thought this was a little bit of a miss opportunity, I think, um, because you really kind of downplayed Jericho as more of a... Uh, I guess he's just going to be a jobber to build up people. I would have appreciated, I think uh, there was another site that said that uh, their prediction was that Jericho was going to win the match, but Orange would still push him into the uh, the Mimosa after the match. And so he would still look strong, but technically you still have Jericho winning the match and coming out better. So if if Orange Cassidy can beat Jericho like that, does that mean Orange Cassidy should be going right up against John Moxley, uh, put him in number one contendership? I don't think he's ready for that quite yet. Um, they still got a lot of work to have him do. Um, but, it, so I mean, it's just that kind of logic aspect that I, I, I kind of worry about. Um, I love Orange Cassidy. I love what he does for the show, but I don't see him in a major title contendership. Maybe the TNT champion – uh eventually but i just don't see him as your world champion uh kind of material
0: you know who oc reminds me of a lot it's when uh there was a period with uh um too sexy where like uh, or not uh, with uh what too cool too cool thank you with too cool where they were like a big thing where like they were just there and everyone enjoyed it orange cassidy kind of reminds me of that where like everyone's like he's, he's like just a great pop but he'll never be like a main eventer but he'll always be there. And I guess that's why I've always uh, enjoyed him so far. But uh, I feel like I've, I've
3: enjoyed his feud so far, and I thought what he did with Pac was amazing. And but still made both of them look strong, even though Pac comes out as the winner. I, I just I don't see Orange Cassidy really coming out that strong, even though he just defeated Y2J. And I think that's the missed opportunity that they had.
2: I agree with Andy that he very much reminds me of Too Cool in the sense that like he his gimmick will just keep him over regardless of wins and losses. Like you're just happy to see them. Um, it's interesting. It's fun. So I definitely see that. I I do agree with Doug that they didn't. I don't think either of them came out looking better. And I think the reason is that the structure was wrong. Uh, to me, if this was about making Orange Cassidy look like a star, then he should have won the first match because that was the only match to me that felt conclusive. Like, when Jericho knocked him out with the Judas effect, you felt like Jericho beat OC. It was clean. It was—that was it. So for this feud to have continued, it should have been an an irate Chris Jericho saying, you don't beat me, blah, 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 I want my rematch. Jericho cheats in the second match. He wins, Then you have a third match. Instead, you had Jericho looking very strong when he just straight knocked him out. Then OC humiliates him and beats him with a very botched mousetrap pin. Like, very botched. Brie Bella level botch, like Uh it was just so bad, right? Like I didn't even know that was the move. I had to look at what the move was to be like. Oh, that actually could look good. It it was just a mistake. And then the third match, he pushes him into a pool. That 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 does that's not convincing to me, right? Like that doesn't make me think this guy is a superstar. Now, look, OC doesn't need to go after the championship. He's not that type of character. Like, in fact, I think it fits his character if he were to have a great record and have no interest in the title. It's something that the announcer can be like, this guy's the number five ranked guy. He just And they ask him about title shot, and he just shrugs and walks away. Like, he doesn't care. That's not what he's interested in. So that's fine. I just think that if you were going to have him go over Jericho, who I think up until that point, had only lost to Moxley in the singles match, then you probably should have had OC convincingly beat him in a match. And they didn't do that. I, I just, I think the promos were fine. I think the feud overall was fine. But I don't think this accomplished what it should have.
1: I'm in total agreement with you guys. I actually was kind of surprised. I, I kind of thought that most people would have been like, oh yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good way to put over new talent, but I love OC, but he did not need to win this. He really did not need to win it at all. And it made actually made Jericho look much weaker by comparison. And Jericho is somebody who should not be losing that type of a match. Losing one to him. Okay. You know, and especially like, I know they they botched it, but if they would have gotten it right, it's like, oh, you were able to get me. You have a win over me, but it's not a real win, you know. So I want to, you know, take you on in another match. And I just felt like, where is he? Go, like after this feud, where is Orange Cassidy going to go? You know, are they going to showcase him a lot more? Are they like he's not going to the TNT title? You know, there's no way him Brody Lee are going to have that. They that is not. They are not built for that, right? So where does he go from here? Where's OC going to go? And then Give me Jericho. I mean, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, oh, he's going to go to Omega? Like,
2: Well, you use Orange Cassidy as a guy that a, heel, that a guy uses to get over as how vicious he is. The same way Pac beat him down, if you want Kenny Omega to go heel, you have Kenny Omega beat the crap out of Orange Cassidy. Because OC will always get sympathy. And that's a fine yeah. role for OC. And to clarify, I think OC should have won the feud. Like, I would have had him win two out of three. I would have just had him win it differently. Like, I don't have a problem with OC going over. I just have a problem with his two wins coming off of fluky. Because to me, it's like what Angle said with Michael. If I beat you at WrestleMania and you beat me two other times somewhere else, my win's still better. Congratulations.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, Yeah. I mean, obviously, like at a pay-per-view, you know, of course, it's typically a, a you know, it's a bigger match, right? I, I don't think that you should have won. I think that this actually hurt both people involved. I don't think it really does anything. And, you know, I can only imagine somebody like a Jim Cornette who probably just his head exploded while watching this. Uh, you know. <laughs>
2: well then it was but, definitely jumping, Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say then yeah. it was written. Oh, that incompetent yeah. moron knows nothing.
1: Yeah. Um but you know, I think the other thing that happened, so like you know, Orange Cassidy had that big you know, he he obviously pushed Jericho into the nice mimosa, but in contrast, Matt Hardy was in a match with Sammy Guevara, who I absolutely love. love both of them I actually thought this was kind of a cool little concept, uh, you know, and they had good callbacks and everything. But Andy, there was a spot there that was really scary looking and i know you're a big matt fan you know you look at your matt facts every single day you know you have that killer
0: mattitude i mean when you saw that what did you think i didn't see it live um i saw it after the fact because i kept getting uh messages uh from people at work be like did you just see what happened i had no idea what they're talking about then i finally looked i was like oh because at first it didn't look that bad but then when he when it was almost like they were the tables needed to be pushed forward a little bit like maybe two or three inches and I think he'd have been fine but like man that was a bad bump. Uh, Doug, what'd you think about it?
3: Uh, I also wasn't able to see it live uh, due to work, but it was unbelievable. Um, a very scary moment for for Matt and just kind of one of those things of two the feud with him and Sammy truly does feel like that was to end Hardy's life almost with everything that has happened in this feud with the chair and everybody even saying that Sammy needs to be fired. Like I feel bad even for Sammy who, again, this is a word. This is him doing his job. And it's not like Sammy really could have done much more to protect him. It's just, that's what the spot was. And it was an unfortunate accident. And <laughs> so, it's it's just amazing um, that one Matt Hardy is coming out of this as well as he is, and I'll be interested to see. Um, hopefully, he comes back uh, sooner rather than later. But I wish they, or I hope that they do, take their time with this one.
2: So let me say first off, I didn't like this shoot at all. I didn't think it was necessary. I, this is not Chris Jericho where Orange Cassidy beating former world heavyweight champion Chris Jericho makes him look like a star if done properly. Like Matt Hardy's not on that level. I like Matt. Matt's fine. Broken Matt Hardy was fun. I loved him with the Hardy boys, but he is not a main eventer. Truth be told, just being honest, he's a mid-carder, and that's fine. That's a great spot for him. You know, To quote the authority, (laughs) he's a B-plus player. And you shouldn't be having a feud where he is angry at Sammy Guevara because he chose not to listen to him despite the fact that he's part of the inner circle. So like that's just illogical to me in the first place. Then focusing on the spot, it was a dangerous spot and it sucks that it happened. And that I would really like to know a couple things. A, why is anyone surprised that they tried to continue to match and even let him continue to match when sports in general has a very stupid and consistent behavior of lionizing people who go through injuries? How many times have we seen Triple H held up on a pedestal because he continued that match with the busted quad? Uh, You're all Bears fans. Do you remember the way Jake Cutler was savagely attacked for not going back into the game when he could barely walk? But it's a stupid thing where we expect people to go back injured. So it's not surprising that Matt Hardy, being a wrestling guy for 20 years, tried to go back and uh, continue the match despite hitting his head on concrete. Now, I don't know where the officials were. I'd like to know what doctor they're using that actually cleared that because that's stupid and reckless. It's probably the same doctor that cleared Russell Wilson to go back into the game five seconds after a concussion. And it's just obviously you're not doing your job. But it, this isn't some massively surprising thing to me. In fact, I'd say it's pretty much similar to the speaking out movement that it's it's just a part of wrestling. And while it'd be great that it goes away, it's not going to go away. It, it will probably never go away because This is what fans expect. This is what the media expect. This is what wrestlers themselves expect. They want to hurt themselves and fight through injuries despite it not being for their well-being. And then 20 years later, we're talking about their early death for a surprise, surprise, because they're hooked on painkillers. Like, this is where it starts.
3: Do you think that they—I mean, had they not made the stipulation of Matt Hardy had to leave if he lost, do you think they would have continued? Or is—because of the stipulation, they had to do something to make sure that the— they could continue storyline later.
2: I think Matt Hardy made the call and lied saying he was healthy. You could have called this a no contest and stopped the match. It's not like the stipulation couldn't have been worked around. If if the stipulation is Matt Hardy loses and leaves, okay, we're stopping the match, no contest. It's not a forfeit victory. We'll continue the match later. And also, I'm sorry, it's storylines. We've seen uh, companies ignore their own rules for years. If this guy is legitimately hurt, first and foremost, that is your concern. You don't continue a match because of a stipulation when a guy's bonked his head off the concrete like that. That was just dumb. Like, it's not surprising. It's I've seen it for years in football. I've seen it for years in every other sport. But it's stupid. It, it's really, really stupid. And this is the type of behavior that leads to us opening up shows talking about why so and so has died at fifty-five.
1: It's reckless. I, that's the biggest thing. It, it was very reckless, and you know I don't care if a doctor had cleared him. You looked at that, and he was down. Uh, somebody counted. He was down for like 45 seconds, not moving. Like you, you just say, "Look, look, dude, it's it's fine. Like it's no contest. I I understand you feel good. I can't let you go back out there. I cannot do that in good conscience. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like it honestly doesn't. It, like that, Tony Khan. I'm I'm actually like disappointed that he didn't stand up a little bit more for that because like I can only imagine what would happen if the Jags. If all of a sudden Gardner Minshew got hurt, you know, and he he tells his day, he's like, "Oh no, I'm fine. I can go back out there." And it's like, uh, "No, dude, you you just got concussed. You are not they going would, back out there." But they would take his helmet. He would never be allowed back on the field. Yeah. like that. That that's the problem. Tony Khan should have
2: quote unquote took his proverbial helmet and been like, "No, this match is over. Like we're not doing this."
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, one thing that did happen that was really interesting um, on Wednesday, Rusev, also known as Mero, uh, debuted on AEW. I am um, uh, I was shocked. Aaron, uh, he was doing so well on Twitch, and now he decides, hey, I'm not done with wrestling. What do you think?
1: <laughs> this is this a – with everybody that was let go, you know, we, we obviously talked about it back in March, April, uh, when they got rid of a ton of people. I guess it would be April. Uh, he was the one at the top of the list, in my opinion, like, you know, it was like Gals and Anderson were big ones, obviously him, you know, and then there were a bunch of other, like, you know, mid card, lower mid card people, but you know, Rusev was somebody who with the right company could do wonders. And so, you know, it's awesome to see him on TV. I'm curious what they're going to do. He's the best man for Kip Sabian. Like, you know, like. I didn't know them as being good friends, but apparently they are. Uh, you know, that's the storyline they're gonna go with. Uh, you know, he gave a nice little kind of worked shoot uh there about grabbing the brass ring and the glass ceiling. So, you know, I, I think you could do wonders. I would love to see him and Moxley tear it up. I would love to see him and Brody Lee, Lance Archer. He has a whole lot of people. He can you know, a lot of dance partners right now. So uh I'm very happy to see him and you know, I'm very I, I will be very happy to hear you know uh you know Russo of day chance uh obviously with uh changing it just ever so slightly
2: happy to see uh Mira for sure i'm you know, I never believed his retirement was legit. I think he was just being smart and biding his time and and enjoying some time off that he's needed. I think he's a great signing for a e w because he's a solid mid carter who does. Have the potential to feel properly to be in that upper echelon and the top of the star i think he's got talent he obviously can get very over without a push let alone with a proper push he had one of the best interests in his wrestlemania history so he's got credibility from the e for sure i think a feud with him and moxie would be fun i think a feud with him and hangman would be fun there's a lot of guys that i could really i'd even watch him in birdie lee like that'd be a really fun kind of hard hitting matchup so i'm glad he's there i think they're going to slow play it with him. Like, I, I think being the best man, he's probably not going to do a whole lot to start. Probably going to be some silly little wedding storyline where he's probably the inverse of what was going on with him and Lana and, mm-hmm. and uh, Lashley, which is fine. He's good at comedy. I would like to see an English pop up here, like especially if uh, Shaw and Vicky are already here. I'd love those two as a he's parent. He's the wedding singer. <laughs> Bingo. Right? Like just, I just I just I feel like Rusev Day was so underutilized that those two even as a tag team would be really fun, fit in that really already deep division and letting Aiden kinda of continue to be the town prior works. So there's a lot of possibilities. I think AEW's probably close to the limit of needing to sign uh former people who get released now, that if they started to build their own stars up that they're good maybe the women's division could use an infusion still, but even then they're getting a little bit better about that. So after these, unless somebody's super talented, obviously if AJ Styles comes in the market, you can make room for an AJ Styles, regardless of who you've got. But whenever the next round of cuts happen, I don't know that I necessarily need to see whatever, like if Baron Corbin gets cut, do not make room for him. I don't care. Um, But yeah, it's fine. It's fine for now.
3: Well, I think uh, this is Vince shooting himself in the foot. I mean, I think uh, Rusev was planning on coming back and everything. He just needed a little time off and everything like that. But then Vince came out and said, no more Twitch for you guys. And Rusev said, sure, you say that. And shows up on AEW the very next uh, next chance he could. So no more Twitch. People are going to start going away, apparently. No more third-party uh, uh, signings for the WWE stars. And they have to give up their I, – I guess they can use – Okay. Yeah. Twitch accounts, but they have to do it under their own names now and not the WWE name.
0: Yeah. So like, uh um, so. like, Paige has hers. It's like Soraya Official, I think is what the na- uh, thing is. And she had a lot of Paige stuff on there, and they told her that she can't have it anymore. Which is, you know, I get it, but at the, and you know, but at the same time, I think it's that Twitch and YouTube are are something different. I understand cameo. I understand why they don't want to do that because I bet they want to set it up so then. Hey, you want this wrestling superstar for 200 bucks? Matt Riddle will say something. I think, but I think they want to get a cut of that too. I think that's the real reason why. I think Twitch
3: kind of ruins the the, the WWE experience uh, that they do before big shows where they have the signing lines and the the things. If you can go right to the source, you know, kind of like at the cons, uh, why not? But, uh, you know, we'll get back to the Miro uh, showing up. Uh, I agree. I don't think he's going to be really too big in AEW right now until after whatever wedding angle that they go off of. So it'll be interesting to see what they do after that. Uh, And and I'm okay with the slow play here because of that aspect of do you truly want to waste his wrestling debut on a COVID no or no big uh, audience, or do you want to – wait until you can have a full audience and then have a big show uh, or a big match where he's going for the TNT title or goes for the, even the AEW title. Uh, I I think that's something that they're hoping to to get out sooner than later, but I know that they are trying to save some big matches and some big storylines for when they can return to having audiences.
0: Now uh, yeah, and I'm really happy that that again I, I'll, I'll i'll say it again. I, I like the fact that he came back, and I like the fact that he uh in a roundabout way slammed uh Vince. Uh, I thought that was funny, plus, I'm also enjoying Brody Lee stuff, but one thing that also I've been enjoying an AW Mr Brody Lee
2: sir I'm sorry
0: yes. sorry, sorry, Mr. Cody lee mr i'm glad i'm glad you caught that (laughs) um so mjf i I think is also uh he is going to be the biggest thing i think in this company he did lose to moxley um and and i think a great match and i just see potential uh just oozing from that guy i've said it before i still think he's going to be something huge uh and i hope he does it stays in aew uh for his entire career just because of that um doug what did you think about that match and don't mention the guy who ran up and tried to hug moxley
3: (laughs) (laughs) uh it was a a good match um i'm a little a little shocked that uh they didn't pull the trigger but at the same time uh just like i said before i think that they're going to wait until they have an audience to uh really push some storylines and uh having moxley carry it during the COVID time is a perfect uh opportunity for them to do that um I don't think this ends MJF's momentum. Uh, If anything, I think it'll push him to go a little bit farther, uh, build up some more feuds, become a little bit stronger, and uh, eventually he will become the AEW champion. It's just going to be a little bit longer.
2: So let me say that um, I want to say six months ago I was talking about MJF and I said there was a point where I needed to see that he could go in the ring and prove that he is a franchise player. You know, I think it was right before his feud with Cody where it was like, I need to see that great match that makes me believe that you are the guy who can carry the company. And this is that match. He, he showed that he is the guy who can be the cornerstone of your company. Like truth be told, if you did a draft of every single available wrestler years and contracts all that things included mjf would be in the discussion for number one because he's so young and you could get someone for 15 years who's going to be a fantastic heel he's proven that he's fantastic on the mic he's proven that he's good in the ring he's got everything that you want in a wrestler great match i'm not surprised that he lost and especially the way that he lost and i talked about this with mox versus cage this was a smart way for moxley to win moxley cheated and used a banned move against a heel who cheats all the time. So it's like, MJF still looks smart and conniving. He's got a legitimate gripe. Moxley looks smart. He won in a different and unique way. Everybody comes out looking better. I have no problems with this whatsoever. I think Ambrose, I'm sorry, Moxley should keep this until he hits a full year. And then I suspect he probably loses it. Kenny Omega being my guess of who he loses the title to. Whereas I think MJF in 2021 or maybe even early 2022, that's when he'll win the title.
1: No, I I agree with everything that you said there, Roger. And I think one of the things that, you know, you think about WCW, one of their biggest faults that they had were some of the finishes where they were just kind of convoluted, especially in their biggest matches. Think about Sting Hogan, uh, Nash and Goldberg, you know, and and then a, a few others that probably come to mind where it just like, that was the finish really. And with this one, this was a great finish. You know, it was an amazing finish to AEW's credit, things like that, it doesn't Hurt both parties, and that's what you want to do. You want to like have them go and and have another storyline ready to go. Moxley has an opponent ready to go, and Lance Archer, MJF. There's a little bit of trouble brewing. It seems like with him and Wardlow. Maybe we'll see. They're kind of slow playing that, which is great. But you know, as I had mentioned earlier, Lance Archer now is the the next challenger after he lost to Cody. You know, he's been doing nothing but just tearing people apart, and so him and Moxley now. Have a match that's set for their anniversary show for when they were when they were on TNT first, uh, which is in about a month from now. Which is crazy to think about that it's already been a year for for AEW being
0: here. But Andy Lance Archer Moxley, is this going to be a good one? I hope so. Um, I shouldn't really say hope so. I know it's going to be a good one. Um, I I always like the one thing that that I do enjoy about AEW is that like WWE it's kind of like they have their plan thing. And I think it's kind of stale and they'll put like a spin on it. Hey, an AEW will take you in a different direction that you're not used to. And it's, it's also not the same as NJPW too. And I think that they've been, they got a decent formula. And I think that if you can get the casual fan, that's the only WWE fan to actually just cross over and just watch for a month. I bet AEW will be way, will be a lot, will be way bigger And I think it'll give WWE a run for a month that it's money at that time.
3: I'll I'll be interested just in the aspect of, you know, they have Lance as a a big, strong guy. They have Moxley, who's not afraid of anybody. You have Jake the Snake Roberts trying to mold him into this unstoppable beast, but you had him lose to Cody to give the TNT championship. If you have him lose to Moxley, is he just the guy that can't win the big one? And he just demolishes everybody else but he can't win the big one i'm a little worried about that aspect but uh, i have faith that aew will do the right thing
2: so as far as archer goes he should have never faced cody in that tnt finals because there's no shame in losing the Moxley, especially considering the list of people that moxley beat jericho Brody lee brian cage kenny omega but to Doug's point, there is a certain concern of so you're just good enough to beat the weak talent. You can't keep losing to the top guys, but also Archer has zero business beating Moxley here. Like, he should not be the next AEW champion by any circumstances. If I were to take booking bids, I'd say 99% chance Moxley retains because it's the right move. But so now it's the question of how does Moxley retain? How does Archer look? Is it going to be. Uh, Brian Cage got to play off an injury. MJF got to justify it by cheating. If Mox just straight up beats him kind of the way that he beat Brody Lee and chokes him out or plants him in the middle of the ring, uh, you know, does Jake the Snake maybe cost Archer by accident and then they have a few, but that's kind of a rehash of the MJF thing. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going. I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt, but maybe Archer wasn't the right choice here. and Or if he were planning this ahead of time, he should not have been the one to lose to Cody in the finals. You could have picked a ton of different heels to lose to Cody in that finals for the TNT tournament. That way when Moxley beats Archer, not that big of a deal. And look, I don't think losing is all that bad of a thing, but there is a perception in fans' eyes of, oh, you're only good enough to beat lower-level guys. You do have to worry about that.
0: All right, so let's thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or a podcaster? You're just not happy with your web host? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're gonna find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script installs, a free side other hands-on the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try a free. demo say easiest. And if you use special coupon code, off the mark. You're gonna save 25 off your web hosting packages. So what are you gonna lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite out of your web hosting costs. Also, make sure you check out section 86's is off the mark page. Click at the banner on top. To say big on items from WeShop.com. So So
1: AEW has signed a number of talents during the COVID era. You know, you think about Eddie Kingston, uh, you know, Ricky Starks, I would see Miro, Zack Ryder, uh, you know, and a few others. So I have a very interesting question to pose to everybody here. They signed some people, roster's getting a little bloated. Let's say they have to let a few people go. You know, just kind of a a fun little exercise here. Roger, I'm going to ask you first. If you got to let, let's say, you know, two or three people go or or more, whatever you want. Who do you think on AEW's roster should be, eh, maybe we can probably let them go. So should or would? Should or would. Either, either way, you know, what whatever you're kind of thinking. So, like, you know, if you're taking a look and you see somebody like Brandon Cutler, who is 0-20, um, you know, for the year, 0-25 uh, for his entire career with AEW. Maybe, you know, like he's there to take pins, you know, maybe it's okay, but you want to let somebody else go. Is there anybody in in particular or any set of people that come to mind? So two names off the top of my head, I would get rid of immediately. Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, both of whom will be cut.
2: Mostly because I'm sick and tired of Dustin Rhodes beating more talented people. I don't need Dustin Rhodes winning all the time. Like there's value in Brandon Cutler taking pinfalls. But when I see Dustin Rhodes squashing Sean Spears, or when he's scoring pinfalls over the Dark Order, I don't think he's helping. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Move Dustin to a back I know that it's his brother's company. So he's always going to have a job. But that's fine. I don't need him on screen. Like, let him be a producer. Let him be a manager. Let him do whatever you want to. Same thing goes with Billy Gunn. The New Age Outlaws were over 20 plus years ago. It's over, bro. Road Dogg was by far the better of the two of you. Move him on. Get rid of him. And then I guess if a third, I don't like Jake Hager. Like I have always thought he is overrated. And especially when it comes to big, talented guys, I think there's a lot better. Lance Archer, uh, Miro, all the, Brian Cage, there's way better people. Dr. Luther, he could go. I don't care about him all at all. Um, I would sign Marco Stunt to a 10 year extension. 100%, I would keep him there for life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's very interesting. So uh, you had mentioned Luther. Uh, And his render that they have on AEW's web, like their website, it looks like a, like an indie person. Like that was, that was for me, that was probably going to be my number one was I was going to go with Luther. Doug, how about you? Is there any, you know, one or two people in particular that you look at and you're like, eh, not a fan. Um,
3: I don't know. I think they do a decent job, especially with dark and you have your smaller talents, uh, and your, uh, boosting talents. Um, Your jobbers and everything. Like if you look at a dark roster, except for the main event, you know who's gonna win. And it it's not bad, but like I agree, Uh, Luther uh, is one of the first ones I don't need in AEW. Um, uh, There's several people I actually don't even see on this uh, their official roster list that are often on AEW dark. Um, The Peter Avalon and the Brandon Cutler thing is more of a being the elite thing. So I understand their their purpose there. And I do think that it will be a big moment when they finally do get that first initial win. Um I still want them to do like a not a double DQ, but a double count out, like have them face off against each other and constantly get double DQ'd or double count out or something where they both technically don't win. Um <laughs> trying to get that that first win and everything like that and uh but but there's there's something there to set up and and you you do need some kind of comedy and it helps every once in a while to have that uh true underdog hero to 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 pull off a win sometimes um but they do they, they are starting to get i think a little bit of a bloated uh bloated roster and it it's only going to be a matter of time, especially during this COVID era that they need, they're going to start dropping some of these people. Um, and it'll be kind of a shame to to see some of them go, but at the same time, build your core and, and bring in people just even for short stints here and there um, off of an indie run right now, it looks like they're bringing in a lot of people from NWA uh, like Ricky Starks and everything like that. So, if they keep a rotation, I think it'll work. Like, they bring him in for a couple months, they do a little bit of a feud, and then they go back to NWA or New Japan or whatever, uh, AAA. You know, I I think that's okay. Uh, But it it needs to be a constant rotation
2: uh, if you're going to do something like that. And how about for you, Andy? Oh. Uh, Can I nominate one more person? Sure. Go right ahead. Can I? Can I throw in Jim Ross? <laughs> 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 I, I mean, not, and truthfully, I'm not even just saying that because of the faux pas, because it was a mistake and everyone makes mistakes. But look, J.R. is the voice of the Attitude Era. I will always be grateful for his fantastic calls in the 90s. But much like that, I don't need to see Kurt Warner out there throwing passes anymore. I don't need to hear Jr. in commentary anymore. Tony Schiavone sounds much better than he ever did in WCW. He sounds re-energized. Really he sounds like he enjoys the product. He really adds something to the team. JR sounds like he hates the product right now. Like he just sounds so annoyed and so bored and so disgusted with all the flippy stuff. Like he sounds like Jim Cornette if he was doing commentary. He sounds drunk. Even... <laughs> well, but he said, actually, he sounds like an angry old man yelling at a cloud. Like it's like he's, he's looking for a bygone era that just won't come back. Like he wants the old school... Southern's uh, Dusty Rhodes wrestling of the 80s or 70s maybe and that's just not what AEW is and he won't accept that get rid of him, put Taz on there put uh, uh, Vita Scott on there I'm sorry, I'm done with JR actually what they would
3: have gotten Wade Barrett
0: yeah he's He's
3: sounding great on NXT
0: yeah and that's the thing, I think what you brought up Shivani, I think because he did baseball play-by-play for a while and I think that actually helped him so like tweak his voice even more and i think that's why i enjoy listening to him talk i i completely agree jr i was actually that was the first person I was that to kick out next to then billy gunn and vicky career you know no no reason i just don't care for them uh <laughs> uh da, 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 da. referees are there don't care um i don't like justin roberts i don't like jr of course um you like Justin Roberts? I don't. I oh, you, is- know, you see the thing. Here's the thing. Like, I would love to have the team of Shivani, Golden Boy, and Taz go at it. I like Excalibur, but I want those three um, just to uh, just to go at it for a little bit. Just to see what happens. Because I think it would be better. Because I've oh, Golden Boy is just great. Because uh, I I know him from Halo, but it's also cool because like wow, he could you know he's out there and all that fun stuff. But anyways, he has to stay. Um, I'm just going to keep going on the list, the women I actually I think are okay. I, I I don't think I'd want to change any of them. They're kind of like a lot of it's 50 50 for them. I, I don't like Brandy Rhodes for some reason, but you know, whatever. Um, I don't like the Butcher and the Blade. I, I don't know why. I just don't care for him. It's the name. It,
3: yeah. th- that it might truly be. is. That, that's <laughs> no.
0: I guess the other person, I don't like Ricky Starks for some reason. He just looks like a douchebag.
2: What? Really?
0: Oh, I actually
2: yeah. Oh, I I think Ricky Starks is, like, the future. Like, he is fantastic. He's, such, he's got such an annoying, punchable face. It's, like, he reminds me of a young rock. Like, I'm not saying he's the rock, but I'm just saying he has that, like, era of arrogance and charisma about him.
0: Uh, Brandi Rhodes can go. I, she can be the CBO behind the scenes, but I yeah, cannot. Like, she, like, I think she does. She's Stephanie definitely- Yeah, like, if she's behind the scenes and she does that, I'm happy about it. I just, for some reason, I don't like seeing her on camera a lot. I think they need to tone it back. Nothing against her, because I think we should present the other women first and let them know that they're wrestlers, not valets, if that makes sense. Um, Luther, of course, I think we all um, can just sweep that. He's gone. Um, Oh, man. Dustin Rowe, you know, I don't like Eddie Kingston either. And and that's the other guy that, like, I think he's good. I just don't care for him. And Cutler, of course, he should go. I want Angelico to go to NXT. Him and Jack Evans. I'm just saying.
2: Aaron, can I not make someone else to be cut? Because I'd like to cut Andy from our <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie,
1: Eddie Kingston just came, Andy. And on top of it, like he has a mouth on him, which is good. That's you know, you want that. You want somebody that has a mouth. And like he fits that role really well. Ricky Starks, I think, you know, in the role that they currently have him in, is good. Uh he has a good story, a good backstory. I, I like Ricky Starks. So that for me, I definitely would not do. Uh, so a couple of people that I, I'm going to go for people that are actually like kind of showcase a little bit on TV. And, um, one of them I'm not a fan of because I think that he actually brings the other person down and that's Chuck Taylor. I am not a fan of his. I think that Trent Barretta by himself is fine. I think that he could actually, I think that he has a good look. He has good enough, hmm. you know, wrestling ability I think that I would put him either with somebody else or let him do a singles. I'm not a huge fan of Chuck Taylor. So that's somebody that I would, I would look into getting rid of. Obviously, as a tag team, I understand why they're there. Jack Evans similarly, but he's not on TV that much. Now, Joey Janela, not a fan of either. And I think that he's not a very good wrestler. I don't care for his character. Like he has an interesting look, but that's about it. So like when everything else is just like, eh, you know, I don't get it. Like, you know, Jungle Boy, yeah, he's smaller, but he has a very good look to him. He's good enough in the ring. You, you can sympathize with him. Joey Janela, there's very, very little, you know, when it comes to that.
2: Um, that statement brought to you by Penelope Ford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was referencing the very, very little part, just so we're clear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a surprise to nobody, but uh, I actually would get rid of Marco stunt. And it's, you have to have somebody there to take the losses. You have to have somebody there to beat up on. I think the problem that I have with Marco's stunt is that when he comes out there and he looks like a child and then he does the child dances, it that to me makes it look a little bit corny. It, it just does. And so that's why I've never been a fan of Marco. And I, I would get rid of him personally. Uh, and I mean... Only probably a couple other people. I like get rid of Michael Nakazawa because, you know, you already have enough comedy wrestlers there. You have enough people that can, you know, take the pins. Uh, I probably would get rid of uh, Sonny Kiss too, you know, because, I, I mean, you know what? Sonny's there to take the pins? I guess that's about it. But you know, win. and I mean, and like... Joey have, have been a great tag team on Dark. They have been, yeah. They, I mean, they do have some wins as a tag team. Uh, but, you know, like... Is, is there an audience that, that, is, that that's for? I don't know. But that those are the people that I would probably get from most.
2: I do think Sonny Kiss has potential if you turned him heel. Like, truth be told, if you look at it from... Um, you remember the Nation of Domination back in 97? They were saying things that maybe weren't inherently wrong, but the way they were presented and the audience they were presenting it towards would hate. It, look, AEW mostly tours in southern states. We know that the way Sonny Kiss acts... <laughs> is not going to be accepted in the South all that well. So you basically have him just be a heel. So instead of it being about his character, be about the fact that he's just assuming that they hate him and he's ignoring all the bad things that he does to people so that you let him be a heel character and let him do really mean things like DDT somebody on a concrete and then he's like, oh, you guys just hate me because I'm different, ignoring the fact mm-hmm. that he obviously did something awful. So I think he could actually be a decent heel. His face character... That, I mean, look, he ain't going to get cheers for that. Like, I'm just being honest. (laughs) I don't don't see Huntsville, Alabama going crazy when he comes out and starts shaking his behind, like, uh, the Orlando Magic cheerleaders. Like, let's just be real here. Like, that's not the demographic. Maybe in stardom, that might work. I don't necessarily know that you're – I don't know what the male-female breakdown of the demographic is. I guess it's at least 75% male when you talk
1: about wrestling. Don't see many males going crazy over that. So I probably get rid of one uh, Dark Order member, too. They have too many people.
2: Uh, see, I disagree with that because unlike the Wyatt family, I like that the Dark Order is actually building up as a cult. Like, they add members. That that That's what a cult should be doing. Like, they should be overwhelming you with numbers. And at some point, as long as it doesn't turn into an NWO, they should be able to actually overwhelm most of the roster.
1: Well, they I should... think that's the that might be the problem because, I mean, who can you really name? There's Brody Lee, there's Evil Uno, Colt Cabana kind of. Number um, 10. I was going to say uh, number 10. Anna like. Anna Jay. Number one. Number two. Number I don't even
2: know who those people are. <laughs> They're number
3: and then it's, uh, number two is, Stu, uh. Stu Grayson. Is number Stu two. Grayson, yeah. It's yeah. Stu
2: Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also uh, Silver, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, he's more of the joke, but. But, yeah, I mean, so it's like, I, I don't think there's a problem with having a bunch of people doing something, but I don't necessarily know, but like, you know, like. If it wasn't for the fact that Avalon and Cutler are there to take pins, they don't really serve much of a purpose. Or Nakazawa, they just but they take pins, so I think that's fine. Uh, I don't know why Billy Gunn is on TV in 2020. Like, I just, to get his son a job. Yep. Is Austin Gunn his son? Yeah. That's
3: oh. legit father's son. I and had, that's the, probably the legit reason is he's
0: trying to get his son over. And I you know what the thing yep. is. He Billy Gunn, like I think, will is hurting him though, because I Billy Gunn was great, but he was great with, you know, New Age Outlaws. Whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. Pause, pause.
0: All right. Pause. Billy Gunn was never great. Like, let, let,
2: <laughs> I, well, okay, okay, okay.
3: I, his time with Chuck was great.
2: <laughs> Listen, if you talk about King of the Ring winners, who is the worst King of the Ring winner? Mabel. Ever? Mabel. Yeah, definitely. Who's okay. second worst? Billy Gunn. Exactly. <laughs> Edge literally came out in a promo and said, I will not Billy Gunn this trophy. When you are <laughs> an adjective or suck, it's because you are not good. No one's ever said, I will not The Rock this because they're not good enough to be The Rock. When you say, I won't Billy Gunn something, it's a diss. He was bad. You know how many times they try to push him? Like, why do they always call him the best pure athlete in the company? Did he ever seem like the best pure athlete at any point in time in any company? No. What, he doesn't even do anything athletic. He does a jumping famous. That's it. And a stinger splash that looked awful. I'm sorry. Billy Gunn was never great. Road Dog was by far the best part of that. Tactic. No,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, um, he was. But Billy Gunn was there. So it, he was kind of like, you know, like it was like 95 percent, you know, Road Dog, and then 5 percent Billy. But that, that was the only time I enjoyed him. But the thing is, he wasn't a wrestler that I think that could elevate someone. Like if you have like some, we'll just say like we'll use Ric Flair. He could elevate Charlotte and then she could be up on his level. But if you take someone uh, like Brooklyn Barler, if he if he has a child that uh, gets into wrestling, he's not going to do anything for him because he sucked. Um, and going back to the whole thing, it just brings up the fact that Billy Gunn sucks. <laughs> so just real quick, Bill again was the
1: third worst. OK, Baron Corbin is number two.
0: No, 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 no. Baron Corbin's three. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
2: I'm going to be honest with you. I have a hard debate on that one. And I, have to think, I have to actually think about that one. And that saddens me.
0: <laughs>
2: Next month's topic,
0: who truly is? Roger spends two hours debating on who is, that, who is the second worst.
2: Oh, gosh. Like I, Honestly, at that point, I feel like we should have a conversation about Mabel, Billy Gunn, and Baron Corbin. Like, who really is the worst? Because I think Mabel might be better than Billy Gunn and Corbin. I'm going to be honest with you.
3: Ooh, that is Ken tough? Shamrock beating The Rock in 1998. I mean, Ken Shamrock is
2: Shamrock. Shamrock decent, right? Like he had legitimate credentials. World most dangerous man, UFC champion. He looked like a beast. Like if you have ever seen Ken Shamrock, that guy looked like he could absolutely wreck you. You could see him being a world champion. Baron Corbin, I see him. I want to ask, do you have fries? Like it's, <laughs> it's just a different. <laughs>
0: What's, uh, today's <laughs> what's today's special what's today's special
2: what's your salad dressing like It just, you know, there's just like, you know you you see certain guys and they look like a superstar brock lesnar is one of those guys ken chan kurt angle is one of those guys you
0: see him you know that guy looks like he could hurt people he looks like he's almost six foot yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway so that's all the time we have for this month show if you're into the twitter you can follow the show at authormark86 i want to thank 86 productions for hosting and ending the podcast and i want to thank all of our listeners for taking time down and listen to the show and for doug Hahn, roger cave and aaron hughes i am andrew hughes and until next time we'll see you in the ring